Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Start your weekend off right. This is BetQLU with RJ Choppy, Chris Mack, and Kayla Canaram on the BetQL Network. Presented by BetMGM. And we got the whole gang together this week. Look at this. Hi, I'm Chris Mack. To my right, your left, if you're watching us, you've got RJ Choppy. And down below, welcome into the fold, Kayla Canarum. Kayla, I know you were off doing big things last week. You were very busy. Don't worry, you didn't miss anything. Just, you know, crazy three overtime games in San Antonio and NC State nearly blowing one and Ohio State letting Notre Dame stay. Yeah, nothing big, nothing special. <laughs> It was a very low-key college football opening weekend, wasn't it, guys? It's good to be with you this week. Yeah, good to have you, RJ. I mean, really, I mean, she didn't, only like 732 points between UNC and App State. I think other than that, everything was cool. (laughs) Who scores 40 in the the fourth and loses? I I don't know. It's, but whatever, it happened. App State. Uh, so let's, let's real quick look back on week one before we start looking ahead to some really big games already in week two. And let's say, Shame on you. No, we're not scolding Kayla for not being here last week. Um, we're we're actually talking about a couple spots where you go, hmm, ah, that's a bad look in week one. Let's start right off the top. Which team or player deserves the most shame for their week one performance? I, I feel like Game of Thrones. Shame. I should have a bell to ring. Shame. Shame. We've got Virginia Tech losing to Old Dominion. We've got Utah blowing it down in Gainesville. NC State, I mentioned, nearly losing in Greenville to ECU. A couple other spots. Uh, RJ, let's start with you. Uh, Who deserves the most shame? I'm wagging my finger in your direction for their week one performance. I don't don't know how it's anyone other than Brian Kelly. I I, I don't know that, that it could be anybody but him. Uh, you, you just went 99 yards and you decided to tuck your tail between your legs, kick an extra point. Uh, if you can't get two yards, is that where we're at now in this world? You can't get two yards on a two point conversion. Go for the win, win big, lose big. That's my motto. That's what I do all day. I win big. I lose big. I usually lose big. I don't usually win (laughs) just about anything. Uh, I I thrive. I thrive in defeat. That's how I live my life. I live my life losing just like a fast and furious quarter mile of time. I lose it a quarter mile of time every single day. And I would have gone for it. I probably would have lost. I probably would have missed it, but whatever. But he deserves the most shame. There's, there's no, to me, I don't even know how you can come up with a second uh, option. And then, you know, he got punked by his own media. Who gets punked by college yeah. media during the week? That doesn't happen. College media is the that softest was, media that was in amazing. the world. It's fantastic. Like, I don't yeah, know Kate- who that girl is that asked the question. I, I want, <laughs> I, I want to have, I want to give her a cookie. I want to give her a big yeah. giant cookie as a thank you. A Golf cookie. clap. Golf clap yeah. for that one golf clap Kayla can you do any better than Brian Kelly choking one away he stole mine I literally had LSU what is it about Brian Kelly that's so unlikable I don't know he just has that face where you're just like you don't seem like a nice person I don't really want to root for you (laughs) but yeah that was such a wild finish the blocked extra point they just played so sloppy they had that ejection for targeting poor stupid mistakes and it kind of reflected on him I just don't think it's it's going to go well for Brian Kelly at LSU We'll you know, see. that's a really Bye. good point. As as wild as as Coach O was and as now that in retrospect, 
uh, crazy things got with less miles. If nothing else, those guys had their teams ready to play on game day. Exactly. Yeah. They just, they had stupid penalties. They just, they looked poorly coached, honestly. And I wonder if the players even have respect for Brian Kelly. I don't know. I want it if I played for him, to be honest. But um, yeah, down to that press conference, that's, that's not going to go well for him, I don't think, unless he starts winning games. But that is, remains to be seen. So uh, I would say LSU was the biggest loser of the weekend for me. All right, we're collectively wagging our fingers at LSU. Shame on them. As for other spots in week one that left me wanting a little bit more, guys, I don't know about you, but I, I understand the Buckeyes' defense looked great against Notre Dame. I'm not buying Notre Dame as a number five team in the country, necessarily, especially with a first-time starting quarterback and Tyler Buckner. Um, but I don't, know if, I don't know if Ohio State should be satisfied with their showing last week against Notre Dame. Kayla? I mean, it's the first game of the season. I, you know, CJ Stroud, two touchdown passes to to shut out Indy over the final 42 minutes. I thought they played well. I mean, I wouldn't expect them to blow out Notre Dame by any means. I thought it was a well-fought game. Obviously, yes, the defense did show up. Um, I think they should be satisfied with the win because, you know, Notre Dame's still a pretty decent team. We're going to see what um, they do with their starting new, new quarterback, new coach. Uh, so they've got a lot of new things happening in that in that squad but uh i think they should be very happy with the win over notre dame rj what'd you make out of ohio state you know i I try not to style point wins like first week of the season there's no there's never any preseason which i you know i find it really really tough to sit there and and schedule a top five opponent uh week one without anything like you basically play inner squad games and you know if you if you watch the practices or not this isn't 1964 anymore where they're you know, doing four days and two a days and, you know, three hours a piece. I mean, they're, it's, we're smarter now. We're not doing that. So I was, I was not necessarily impressed with Ohio state, but they kind of started off sluggishly last year. Maybe this is a Ryan day yeah. thing where, you know, last year they played, you know, played poorly mm-hmm. against Oregon. They didn't look like they were ready for that game at all. Um, and, you know, maybe that's just kind of thing. Early season, Ohio state, they'll get their groove together. They're too talented. Uh, that, that was, that was probably the week to get them. Like, seriously, like, when else are you going to get Ohio State this year? Michigan? Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigman not being 100%, I thought was a big mm-hmm. part of that, too. But part of it is I'm a Penn State guy, and I have to throw shade Ohio State's way whenever I get a chance. So I had to do that there. Had to get it out of the way. Um, <laughs> let, let's move to, move to the ACC. You know, I think lots of people had plenty of questions about DJ Uyunglele going into Clemson's Monday night game against Georgia Tech. I don't know how many of those questions got answered necessarily. He had one incredible play uh, where he spun out of pressure. The little sideways pitch ends up going for a big gain, and they scored to capitalize on that drive. But they've got a pair of tune-ups now, Clemson does, Furman and Louisiana Tech, before they get uh, a trip to number 23, Wake Forest. They host 18 NC State, a couple early season de facto ACC Atlantic championship games, maybe. Um, What do you guys think? I'll start with you, RJ. Should – Uyunglele be worried that Cade Klubnik could get some pretty extensive looks in what should be routes in these next two games and maybe, you know, steal his job out from underneath them? And does Dabo have to see Klubnik in these games in order to know if this is the guy who, who he can go to if things should get shaky the rest of the way? You know, Mike, remember Mike Zimmer, the, the old Vikings coach, he said it, you know, mm-hmm. last year talking about uh, Kellen Mond, you know, uh, you know, should he play them? Do we need to see more of him? But he goes, no, I see him every day in practice. Dabo should know. 
Dabo should know a lot about these kids based on how they practice. Now, I know it's not the same thing, uh, but let's not forget, I mean, DJ played well when he came in two years ago uh, when Trevor Lawrence was dinged up. Uh, so we've seen him do it. There's been a regression. You know, last year he did not start off the season well. Uh, he's finished okay. Uh, so I thought it was going to give him a little momentum going in. Absolutely, though. Like, we're, Clemson is stacked with five-star, four- and five-star guys. The next man up for Clemson is probably just as good as the current incumbent at the position, no matter what position it is. So, yeah, he should be concerned. Uh, when you don't put up a lot of points, when, when the offense is sputtering and it's not efficient, you absolutely should be, uh, be concerned for your job. Kayla, I mean, is this a chance for Dabo to get a look? Because I imagine both of these games, especially the Furman one this weekend, will give them a chance late to get second and third teamers in there. Absolutely, I think so. And first of all, I'm not going to try to say either of these two quarterbacks' names because I can't. <laughs> um, even after we've had DJ for several years. Um, DJ and Cade. <laughs> there you go, DJ of, and Cade. There you go. DJ and Cade. We're on a first-name basis with these guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it kind of reminds me of that, like, Tua, Jalen Hurt situation we saw at Bama a few right. years ago. I think I think um, Dabo would be very smart to, to put in Cade and save DJ, and especially if these games are going to be huge blowout wins. Like, yeah, get your freshmen in there. Get them reps. Get them comfortable. Um, should DJ be worried? Not at this point, I don't think. We'll see what happens down the road. But um, why not start working your freshman quarterback and getting him comfortable in the pocket? She's Kayla Canaram. He's RJ Choppy. I'm Chris Mack. This is BetQLU, live coast to coast on the BetQL network, getting you set for all of this week's action. And we will get into a handful of really big games, some very large spreads later in the hour as well. Also listen to us on your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, and get the complete and total look back on week one as we just had there and a look ahead to week two. But also in the last seven days, we've had the 12-team college football playoff approved. Uh, It seems like they're going to try and hold off on this. I don't know. Once the networks see how much money can be made from it, I imagine it gets pushed up a year or two earlier than 2026. Top six conference champs, guys, six at large. The top four conference champs will all get buys through to the quarterfinals, and five through 12 are going to play each other uh, at the higher-seeded site in the first round, quarters and semis at the bowl sites. First question is, Kayla, do we like this structure for the college football playoff? To be honest, I could make an argument for – either side of this obviously last year we begged for it after those underwhelming games in the semifinals but when we get it are we going to argue that the teams in there shouldn't be there um especially when those smaller schools who quote haven't played anyone are in playoffs at the same time it leaves room for a cinderella story similar to what we see in march madness which i kind of like the idea of but i think ultimately we will still see the same teams in the end so i'm not sure that it matters a ton but i don't i like mixing it up we'll see on the flip side, the four-team playoff does make it more exclusive and harder to get to the top. So, you know, the best team is really winning it all. But if you're good, well, you're going to win it anyway. So, Yeah, and Kayla brings up an interesting point there, RJ, in that you do get the Cinderella effect when you include 12 teams. You know, you would have had Coastal in the playoff a couple years ago, for example. But how long is it going to be? Now, granted, I'm arguing against myself here. Last year, a five-seed presumably would have won, won the title because Georgia was a five-seed under this format. Um, But how long before a five seed or worse, one of these at-large teams, a lower seed, actually wins a national championship and lends a little bit more credibility to this format? It'll happen around the same time a five seed wins the NBA championship, which is probably not going to happen, right? Like, it's it's just Chalk City. Like, here's the the issue. 
you know, we just saw it last week. The the two versus five spread was bigger than the seven versus an unranked Florida team. Right. By but it was triple. I'm sorry, it was six times as large. It was it was a 17 point spread versus a three. Like there there is no parity in the sport. The the sport is is void of of any parity that possibly could happen. Uh, I, I, you know, if you want to go to 12, I think the one thing that will happen is I, all the kids coming out of high school know that if they want to win a championship at the college level, they've got to pick between Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, and Ohio State. And that's where they go. They don't go there because they love living in Tuscaloosa. Well, you know, they go there because they know they want to win a title. That's kind of where they have to go. Nobody has ever woken up and said, man, I can't wait to get to Columbus, Ohio. No one's ever said that. They go there because they know they got a chance to win. And if you open it up to more teams – you know, maybe you might find somebody say, okay, I, I can go to, you know, uh, College Station, which they're already going to. Uh, you, I could go to Boulder, Colorado. I go, I go other places and, and, you know, I can stay close to home and I can still win. What I don't like is guaranteeing um, the top four or six rankings being nothing but uh, conference champs. I don't like that at all. Well, yeah, and that's that's what's interesting because nobody's going to play the world's smallest violin for like Notre Dame, for example. But right. Notre Dame is not this. I I don't. I'll be curious to see if this funnels Notre Dame towards a conference. Now they they're holding yeah. on to their independence as, as hard as they can, as tight as they can. They're never going to get better than a five seed because they're never going to be a conference champ in this format. Right, and, and to me, that's just not fair. It's like geography should never dictate uh, who gets into a playoff. Uh, geography should never have played any role in that. I, I, I hate divisions in the NFL and Major League Baseball. I, I just don't like it. Like, you know, why Why does a 7-10 and 10 Washington Commanders team get into the postseason? Like, that's just not fair. Like, there are better teams out there. You know, just give me the top 12, whatever that may be, however you want to rank them. You, know, you want to do the old school BCS, you want to do a committee, however you want to rank them, just give me the top 12 and let's go. Kayla, should we have the conference champs ranked ahead of the at-larges? Like, for example, I think Utah and Pitt would have been the 11th and 12th seeds last year, even though they won their conferences. Should you get more of a reward for winning your conference in this format? I think so. I'm for that because otherwise, what's the point? At the same time, once we see all these conference merging, is that even going to be an issue down the road? Yeah. In a Good few call. Years when this actually takes place. I don't know. Well, and, I, <laughs> and, and will we even see the, the mega conferences a line now given that you know teams may not want to go off to a larger conference now because you've got a better chance of maybe making the playoff if you stay in the big 12 and add the remnants of the pac 12 or if you stay in an acc that maybe even becomes a watered down acc if yeah. miami and clemson should decide to leave it's a great question right. because you know it, it i think this holds off the massive realignment into two kind of mega conferences that we thought was going to happen but Again, it, it all comes back around to where can you make the most money? And if you can make the most money running off to a mega Big Ten or a mega SEC, then I think most schools are still going to do that. We are up and running. It is BetQLU. We've got you covered every Friday night and Saturday morning. We get you an hour of nothing but college football talk leading into that day's games. We've recapped week one. We look ahead now to week two, the SEC East taking center stage. And a matchup of ranked teams who will soon be, speaking of realignment, conference rivals. Plus, we'll touch on the biggest games of the weekend and give you our plays in each of them. Alongside Kayla Canaram and RJ Choppy, 
I'm Chris Mack, and you are listening to BetQLU. This is BetQLU with RJ, Chris, and Kayla, here on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. BetQLU with RJ Choppy, Chris Mack, and Kayla Canaram on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. So the top three are clear cut. We ask a question about the fourth spot in the college football playoff coming up in about 20 minutes or so here on BetQLU. Plus, there are some huge spreads out there that we need to talk about and whether it makes sense to take a side on any of those alongside Kayla Canaram and RJ Choppy. I am Chris Mack. This is BetQLU live coast to coast on the BetQL network and wherever you may be in the world on your Odyssey app as well. Take us with you, whatever you're up to. A-U-D-A-C-Y, the brand new Odyssey app, updated and ready to help you get all the latest, plus the BetQL app as well. Some great five-star plays in there, which we will get into Some really big matchups already in week two of the college football season, guys. And let's start in the SEC East, which is this quarterback-rich division now, right? (laughs) You've got Anthony Richardson in Florida, Will Levis in Kentucky, Hendon Hooker, Tennessee, right? And, oh, let's not forget Stetson Bennett. Yes, I mean, quarterbacks abound in the SEC (laughs) East, right? Two of them up against each other. Saturday, 7 o'clock kick on ESPN, number 20 Kentucky Wildcats visiting the Swamp in Gainesville, the number 12 Florida Gators coming off a huge win over Utah. The spread at six, the total at 52 and a half. And this becomes, again, dependent on what the volunteers do in Pittsburgh, which we'll get to in a second, RJ, don't worry. Uh, Dependent upon (laughs) what they do, you know, this is almost like a little – de facto battle for the second spot in the SEC East behind Georgia. It remains to be seen whether anybody can catch Georgia nationally, let alone inside their own division. But at the very least, we've got a great quarterback battle here. Like I mentioned, Levis against Richardson. Levis, 70-1 to in the Heisman voting right now. Uh, Richardson up in the top handful or so at 20-1 to in Heisman odds, those two respectively. So, Kayla, where do you look in this one, Kentucky and Florida? I... Like you said, I'm looking at the quarterback situation. Levis last week was 21 of 31, 303 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Rushing, not so great. As we saw with Richardson, he just came out of the gate firing on all cylinders. 17 of 24, 168 yards. Rushing 11 carries for 106 yards and three TDs. My money is going to be on Richardson and the Gators to cover at home. And I also kind of like the over, but that's just where I'm headed. Yeah, RJ, I think I'm leaning Florida as well. The total... Probably leaning over. Actually, I wouldn't even say I'm leaning Florida. I already put that in, wrote it up for BetQL. It's in with everybody else's picks for this week. So I'll ask you, as somebody who has a vested interest in how this game goes, based on the fact that you're a Vol, and again, we'll get to Tennessee Pitt in a minute, what's your read on Kentucky-Florida? Look, I, I was really impressed with uh, with Florida last week. Uh, that's a good Utah team they played. And for them to jump from unranked to, like, what, 12? I mean, that doesn't happen all that often. Uh, if you're not impressed by Anthony Richardson, I mean, you're watching something else. I don't know what it was, but you were watching something else. He was fantastic. Uh, he, he's got a little, you know, there, I saw a lot of people saying that shades of Cam Newton. You know, I, I hate to go there, but I mean, he was impressive, dude. I mean, he really, really was. 
And, you know, you brought it up like the, 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 that division of the SEC has been a joke uh, for a while. And it's been, you know, bad coaching and bad quarterback play. And the quarterback plays, we, we forgot Spencer Rattler, who was the preseason right. Heisman favorite last year. My uh, gosh. Who, who's, who's at South Carolina. So it's like, I mean, it is, yeah, the, the quarterback play has really, really improved. You know, death taxes and, and Florida pretty much has owned Georgia <laughs> until recently. Uh, and they're going to own Kentucky. Uh, so I got, I got Florida this game. Yeah, I think the only thing that slows the Gators down here, guys, is if a little bit of last week's result and all of the attendant hype that came with it, especially the Anthony Richardson hype that came with it, rightfully so, he deserves it the way he played last week, is if it goes to their head just a little bit, Richardson tries to make one or two too many plays in tough spots, you get a turnover or two, go back the other way. I will say Richardson's the most talented quarterback in that division, but Levis is probably the most refined, you know, a year or two behind Sean Clifford at Penn State. He goes to Kentucky, and he he's now been brought up in some Heisman conversations as well, or at least in first-round draft choice conversations. So we'll see if he's able to play a more efficient game than Anthony Richardson Saturday night in the Swamp. Saturday afternoon in Pittsburgh, number 24, Tennessee Volunteers, the Fighting R.J. Choppies are favored by six, six and a half, depending on where you find it. Total is huge. Anywhere from, I've seen 64 and a half all the way up to 67 and a half. Uh, people expect this to be a shootout, Kayla. And I'll let you go first because being in Pittsburgh where I am, granted I'm a Penn State guy, but still I root for the Panthers. Uh, and RJ being a Tennessee guy, we'll, maybe we'll have a little back and forth here, but I'll let you tell us why uh, this SEC East team with a very experienced Hendon Hooker at quarterback, 50 to 1 in Heisman odds for what it's worth, um, can slow down Pitt and another experienced quarterback in Keaton Slovis, who transferred over from Southern Cal. Yeah, like you said, Hooker was 18 of 25, 221 yards, two TDs, five carries, 12 yards, two TDs last weekend. Um, I don't know that it's going to be a shootout. That total is insane. Um, I think I'm definitely going to lean under in this one. I do like your Vols to cover RJ at minus six on the road. Uh, I'm all about I'm Team SEC over here. <laughs> well, I, I, I like them to I, – I don't usually have a feel um, on the – I don't have a feel on the over – I'm sorry, the, uh, the point spread in this one. Um, I'm a little bit too biased for that. I do love the over. I, I just think Tennessee's offense has been so good since Hooker took over. Um, they're, they're so fast paced. I mean, they, they, they ran a, they, they ran a play, I think in seven seconds last week <laughs> from the, from the time, the, from the time the guy was tackled to the snap, I think it was like seven seconds. That's stupid. That's just <laughs> stupid. Now you could, you know, Pitts, you know, is Pitt, is Pitts offense as good as it was last year when they had Kenny Pickett? Well, probably not. I mean, you know, Pickett was the best quarterback in the draft. Um, and, and he, you could probably make a case that he should be starting right now in the NFL. Uh, but they still have got an experienced quarterback there. They still have a good team. Both of these teams are probably pretty good. Tennessee's defense is not very good. You could score on them. I, I think the over hits by the end of the third quarter. Uh, wow. Maybe that's just because I, I – and I, I hate betting overs. I hate taking – I am an under and a dog guy. I hate taking favorites. I hate taking overs. I don't see how this goes under, though. I, I'd be stunned if it does. And I'm probably wrong because I always am. And I'm fine with that. <laughs> well, I, I look at it. This is going to be a much tougher test than yeah. who they played last week. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. 
for sure. But even last year's, you know, uh, Pitt Tennessee game was, I think it was 69 is what they had. Yep. And, and Tennessee started, you know, Joe Milton, who does one thing well. He throws majestic incompletions. He throws like the best incompletions <laughs> you've ever seen. Nobody throws a better ball to nobody than Joe Milton. It's fantastic. And and, they, and he started the game, and, you know, Tennessee went like a quarter and a half without scoring. I, I think this hits the over easy. Yeah, this is up there with uh, – there's a, just a handful of other games. In, in fact, the last I checked, this was the largest, if not one of the largest, Power 5 versus Power 5 totals. Uh, when I checked it yesterday morning, anyway, it was 67 and a half. It's come down since then to the 64 and a half that I mentioned in most spots. But uh, I, I think it does go over. As, as great as Pitt's front seven can be, or at the very least their defensive line, they didn't show up until the fourth quarter when they absolutely had to against West Virginia in the backyard brawl. And if they sit around and wait for the fourth quarter to show up against Tennessee – Hooker's going to be up over 325 yards by that point, and Tennessee's going to have a two-touchdown lead, and it's going to be all for naught and probably too little too late. So that I, I do agree that this thing could light up the scoreboard. Um, as for the one that I mentioned, will eventually be a battle of conference rivals. We've got number nine Baylor visiting number 21 BYU. BYU will be in the Big 12 before long, and they'll be confident. This will be a potential conference championship preview down the line, especially once Oklahoma and Texas have left the Big 12. Late kick, just after 10 o'clock, 10-15, Saturday night on ESPN. Really tight spread, right around three points. Uh, the total at 52 and a half. And it feels to me, guys, like this is a don't-blow-it spot for Baylor. Like, if they want to remain in the conversation in the Big 12, especially with Oklahoma, to a lesser extent, Oklahoma State, and they want to get to the Big 12 championship game and have that be sort of a play-in to the college football playoff, I don't think – they're not Oklahoma. So if you're Baylor or Oklahoma State, you can't afford to go into the Big 12 championship game with a loss, in my opinion, if you want to be a playoff team. And this is a spot – this is a difficult spot on the road, in Provo. Uh, again, three-point dog. Kayla, I don't know what your take is on this, but BYU looked really impressive Granted, it was South Florida, program on the decline, but they squashed the Bulls last week. Yeah, despite that, I mean, I still think I have to go with Baylor, who's just shown me more at this point. They won by 59 over Albany. Um, I would I would take them at minus three, or plus three, sorry. Uh, I'm just more confident of Baylor at this point. And would this win jump them up in the polls? Or, be, so excuse me, BYU. Uh, yeah, it'd be huge for BYU. But I just, I, I don't see Baylor losing this one. RJ, you're I'm down there. You. Yeah. Yep, I'm with you. I see. I see Baylor covering this. They uh, look. I, I I've been here in uh, in DFW working in radio since 2002. If you had told me then in 2003 when the Dave Bliss situation was going on that Baylor was going to be the best athletic department in the state, I'd be like, you're nuts. <laughs> the the turnaround that this that that university has had between that and then Art Bryles is remarkable. This is like the most smoothest running athletic department they're going right now in the state. Their basketball team's awesome. Their women's basketball yeah. team's awesome. Their women's volleyball team's incredible. Their baseball team's really good. Like, they are top-notch in everything they do right now. I have no idea how they did it. They had awful facilities. They had no fan. They had a good fan base. They had, like, no talent anywhere. I love what this Baylor team has done. I expect them, I expect them to cover and win this game. They're a sneaky outside Final Four chance team. 
They're, they're you know, yeah. it's, it's between really – there's three teams in the Big 12. It's them, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State that really mm-hmm. have a, uh, a, you know, a say-so in, in, in who's going to, you know, try to get that fourth spot but or third spot, depending on where they are. Uh, but I like Baylor in this one. Even though it's a tough place to play, it's, it's an altitude game, uh, I, I still like Baylor. Yeah, you know what? I – I, I agree, RJ. What they've done there is pretty incredible in Waco, especially, you know, we didn't even mention some of the the uh, unbelievable controversies that athletic department has had to deal with over the past yeah. 20 years as well. Um, and yet there they are. They're going to be, once Texas and Oklahoma leave in a couple of years, I, I imagine sort of the flag bearer for the Big 12, right? And so that's a great point because the athletic department as a whole has really turned things around the football program and so many other programs that you mentioned are top of the line, despite some deficiencies in certain spots, especially in facilities. All that being said, I think BYU, once they walk into the big 12 will challenge Baylor for supremacy on a yearly basis. And I think this game gives us a little early taste of that. I think BYU only laying three, I'll take it. I think this ends up being the biggest upset of the weekend, probably 21 BYU, even though it's at home and they are favored, not technically an upset, but uh, beating number nine Baylor, I'll take BYU on this one. And then the question will be how many spots do they jump in the polls? Because they jump four spots after squashing the uh, South Florida, you know, what does a win against Baylor be? Even if you're favored, I get it. They're favored because they're at home, but beating the number nine team in the country, I think would have to push BYU up into that conversation. And again, until they join the Big 12, we're talking about an independent uh, trying to force their way into a playoff situation without the benefit of a conference championship game. Uh, yeah, and, and right now they don't have that benefit. Um, but, you know, they they will when they eventually get into the Big 12. But, you know, they've done a really nice job, you know, BYU has. And, and you know, they're, they have a lot of the same – you know, they, have, they actually have more limitations than, than Baylor would. I mean, they're both private religious institutions and – you know, for Baylor, it, it's got to be tough to get. They have they have stricter rules than than the University of Texas does. I mean, there are certain things that students can and cannot do as 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 a student athlete at Baylor. BYU's got those. You know, they got a lot of the same rules too. And for both these programs to be able to, you know, still get players and still compete at a high level is is, is you know makes it much that much more impressive. All right, Caleb. Before we wrap this up, we got one more game. The number one team in the country, Alabama. Noon Saturday on Fox, visiting the aforementioned UT in Austin in the Longhorns. Future SEC battle here. Um, I don't know if there's any reason for Bama to be overly concerned. I would take Bama laying the 20. Look, Quinn Ewers is a, a, a nice kid, but he's basically just the guy before the guy, right? Uh, everybody's waiting on Arch. Um, and Bryce Young is the odds-on favorite to win the Heisman. I think this is one that looks a little closer than it is for maybe three, three and a half quarters. And then you get maybe Bama stepping on the gas late to cover. I'm right there with you. Um, Yeah. Should we be concerned about this? Not until Arch gets there for sure. Um, I do. I am excited for this game. I would love to see how these two go head to head, what this is going to look like in the future. Um, I do like the total going over 65 and a half. I don't know how I feel about the spread right now, but um. I would take the over in this one. Bama's going to come out of this guns blazing. So give me Bama um, with the over or just the over in general. And I'm going to stay clear of that spread right now. I have no idea what's going to happen, but Bama's going to come out on top. I do know that. (laughs) RJ, quick feel on Texas Bama. Uh, I mean, it's obviously Bama's going to win by how much. I don't think 
Uh, I don't have a great feel on the on the spread or the over-under. Uh, I would probably lean towards Texas coverage. Coming up next, the top three are clear-cut still. So who do we like for the fourth spot in the college football playoff after just one week? Plus, some huge, enormous spreads out there. One up over 50. Are there any that we like? And how do we usually play those things? Alongside Kayla Canaram and RJ Choppy, I'm Chris Mack, and this is BetQLU. This is BetQLU with RJ, Chris, and Kayla, here on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Back to BetQLU with RJ Choppy, Chris Mack, and Kayla Canaram on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. We're a week in, but never too late to get your season moving in the right direction. BetQL, your one-stop shop for sports betting, picks, analysis, and book offers with college football season underway now. And of course, NFL season starting this weekend as well. They've got you covered. Premium content you can access right away for free. Plus, nobody beats their in-depth analysis and content. We've got it here for you on the BetQL app and BetQL.com on a daily basis. You want the best tools, though? Start your free three-day trial. Get the best advice on how to beat the books. Offer valid for customers who haven't previously purchased a BetQL subscription. Previous day pass users eligible uh, for this free trial offer. Get it at BetQL. Get us inside the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. And, of course, live coast-to-coast on the BetQL network. Alongside Kayla Canaram and RJ Choppy, I'm Chris Mack, and this is BetQLU. So before we get to some of these ridiculous spreads, including one that's up over 50 points, let's start with a discussion about the playoff as maybe not a whole, because I think a lot of people agree that three teams are almost penciled in in Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State. Uh, But what about that fourth spot? You know, RJ, earlier you mentioned the idea of if you're not Oklahoma and you're from the Big 12, uh, you've probably got to be undefeated if you're Baylor or Oklahoma State to sneak into that fourth spot. I know the Pac-12 took a shot when Utah lost in Gainesville last week. I don't know if there's any way in the world the Big Ten could land two teams in the same playoff, but Michigan is out there too, uh, you know, defending their spot in the playoff. And the ACC, Kayla, always crazy. Like, it, there is never a year where it doesn't feel completely and totally unpredictable. Even in a year where Clemson, uh, is playing well, it feels like, well, who are they going to face from the Coastal? It was someone different seven straight years in the ACC championship game. So which of these teams that looks to have some sort of inside line, at least on maybe their conference championship, also has an inside line on the fourth spot in the playoff? Like you said, I can I could make an argument for Michigan. I could make an argument for Clemson. Um, even, I feel like in the Years past, Oklahoma State's always kind of been flirting there if it's not OU. Um, mm-hmm. As far as the four spot, I, 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 I like AM at this point coming out of the SEC. I just, I feel strongly about them. I think they're going to have a solid year. Um, who knows? But I would, I would put AM in that four spot. Can they stands. get there? Can they get there without playing in the SEC championship game, though? Or are you telling me they're going to beat Bama? I duh, I don't I don't think they'll by the way that I'm ready for that game. That will be a spicy <laughs> matchup during the regular season for sure after what we saw this offseason. Uh don't know if they'll get past Bama. That's a great question, but I think they'll figure out a way to make it in the top four. Okay. RJ. I think we're forgetting USC. Um yep. they 
they're a top 10 team. Um, you know, they got, you know, Lincoln Riley. We'll see what, uh, you know, what, what, what kind of magic that he can work. Uh, and they got a Stanford game this weekend, but this is a, uh, this is still a, a very, USC has always had a good roster for the most part. There's been years where they just missed on guys, but sometimes about the coach bringing them together. We saw Billy, uh, Billy Napier kind of bring Florida together in one week, you know, after what's happened with uh, Dan Mullen. A good coach can bring a lot of these kids together. And I, I think USC is that they're kind of sitting out there out West. No one thinks of them, which is odd to say about USC. Uh, it, the Pac-12 does not have a, a great team. Like, who's going to stop them? Who's in their way? Oregon that lost by 46. Utah? I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I think USC is the best team out there. And, you know, barring a, a slip-up somewhere along the way, they're going to be in a position to be undefeated at the end of the year. I think USC might sneak into that four spot. Yeah, the crazy part for me would be let's let's say it plays out that way, like you said, and, and I agree. We, we've kind of let USC slip off the radar somewhat, but the weakness of the Pac-12 as a whole and the fact that there's only those two teams out there could really make it a mess and give you one of those conference championship games where it, everybody in the conference is rooting for one team because they want their team to be represented or their conference to be represented in the playoff. You know, if USC is able to run the table, but then they get in there in the conference championship game against Utah and blow it. Well, again, I think there's certain conferences that just, you've almost, you almost have to be undefeated in order to lock stock, uh, cement your spot in the playoff. And I think the PAC 12 is still one of those. And who knows, maybe Utah beats USC in week seven. And now we're talking about a couple of one loss teams. One of them has one in the conference. And can anybody get out of there and into the playoff out of the Pac-12? You got to be undefeated. I, I, do, I do think you're right. But an undefeated USC is going to get in. Um, you know, this is like a couple years ago when, uh, when, you know, you had like a TCU and a Baylor that were kind of fighting for it. You know, if they had Oklahoma on their jersey, they get in. Uh, there's, there's, there's a... Yeah. psychological aspect of, you know, who, who that team is, you know, USC is a, is a blue blood. If, if they're undefeated or close or even one loss, I, I think they got a real good chance of getting in. Um, there, there's a, you know, I mean, look, this, these are, these are humans that are doing these right, that are doing the, that are on the committee, not a computer based. And, and I think that plays a role. Yeah. And that Thanksgiving weekend game, uh, hosting Notre Dame that rivalry game could be huge yeah. as well that could be almost a win and get in kind of deal let's go back to Clemson Kayla because I'm I'm not a believer in Clemson this year um I'm not because I'm not necessarily a believer in DJ Uyunglele but if they can get past Wake and NC State we talked about those games sitting now on their schedule three and four weeks out after these tune-up games against uh Furman and who's the other tune-up against I had it here in front of me uh against Louisiana Tech if they can get past those two, uh, and then they can beat Wake and take care of NC State, one of those two on the road, where are the speed bumps or the roadblocks for Clemson? I mean, there's Miami Week 12. There's right. whoever comes out of the about, Coastal. Yeah. What about Notre Dame? Are we not worried about them? Mm -hmm. yeah. They're in there, it, you know, and, and they can give them the one loss. I wonder then, though, if Clemson – if that's the only loss Clemson suffers, and I'll paint this picture – and Clemson still represents the Atlantic in the ACC championship game. I don't know if that Notre Dame loss, unless Notre Dame is also sitting at one loss, then keeps them out of the playoff. This is part of the, the you know, the circle of 
college football life, we start chasing our own tails talking about, well, who beat who and who has one loss? And that's a great question. If Notre Dame and Clemson each have one loss and Clemson's won a conference championship game, but Notre Dame beat Clemson without playing a conference championship game, are they in ahead of the Tigers? Oh, I, I, that, that I'm not sure. The other one I'm looking on their schedule is Florida State. Uh, mm-hmm. We saw what they did to LSU. I don't know if it was just because LSU played so bad or if Florida State played decent, but that one's going to be on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's there's going to be some tougher games, but I, as far as who their loss is going to be to, um, I don't know. It, it looks like they could have some smooth sailing. All right, I, I'm look, gonna. I, I, go ahead, RJ. I, I think they've got. I think they got a loss. I think they had a loss of three weeks. I think they lose at Wake. Uh, my guy Sam Zaddy. That dude's a daddy, man. I gotta say, that's a good looking man, <laughs> Sam. Holy cow! I would. I would pay to look like Sam Hartman. Uh, he, he's back. You know, he, he's back. He's had all. All the issues are gone. At least we think. We hope from the blood clot issue, and he's a fantastic quarterback. Wake Forest is going to have the best player on the field or the best quarterback on the field that's getting that game uh, when they play and it's at Wake. Uh, So I think that's their loss. I think that's where Clemson slips up. All right. I'm going to put it to each of us so that we can seal it in amber, like in Jurassic Park. And in 13 or 14 weeks from now, we can pull it out and all laugh at each other, freezing cold take style. Who is your fourth team in the playoff? I've got Oklahoma. Kayla? Well... Earlier I said AM, that might be tricky. I, I'm with you. I don't think it's gonna come out of the Pac 12. I, I like someone out of the Big 12. Um, who is that? I I'm actually might go with you at for o, with OU. Nice. RJ? Man, OU OU is interesting. Uh, because they, you know, obviously they've been so quarterback dominant uh over the last several years. I mean, we're we're, we're talking, I mean, how many Heisman trophy winners do they have, uh, or, or, mm-hmm. or guys that were in the running. And number one picks, uh, it, it is it was it was a great run for them. I think it's USC. You know, until they played Notre Dame uh, in, in you know around Thanksgiving, they've got one ranked opponent, and that's that's Utah on the road. Um, I, I think it's USC. I, I don't know. I, they're going to be favored in every game the rest of the way. I think uh, they might be a two a couple point dog against Utah, but you know they're going to have an advantage in the athletic in athletics. Uh, athletic ability on a lot of those, a lot of those kids, that team, they got, they got a really good coach, they got a good quarterback. I think it's USC. Oh, you would really not like it if it's USC. (laughs) Oklahoma plus four (laughs) fifty. And as far as national championship odds go, the Sooners 50 to one USC 16 to one. So speaking of numbers, we got some crazy spreads this weekend. Absolutely wild. We've got, Okay, not totally well. Notre Dame laying 20 and a half at home against Marshall, which, by the way, I think Marshall will cover. Yeah, I'm going to lay that out there. Uh, Oklahoma, 33 and a half at home to Kent State. Uh, Michigan State, 34 and a half at home to Akron. That's another one I think the dog covers. Uh, Ohio State, 45, 44 and a half, somewhere in that neighborhood at home at the shoe to Arkansas State. But how about this one, guys? Kayla, 51 and a half. Hawaii is getting at number four, Michigan, the total only at 67 and a half. Uh, Hawaii is actually at plus 51 and a half. I'll give you the one bet QL five-star bet of the day. I'm allowed to give you Hawaii, a five-star bet to cover it. Plus 51 and a half. 
I'm not taking it. No? <laughs> uh, can, Too many? Can, so <laughs> Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt, 3-10 in week one. I don't have a lot of faith in Hawaii at the moment um, to get annihilated like that. Uh, I would hope they, that game would make them angry enough to fight back, but Vandy is definitely no Michigan. This is at the big house. I, I, uh, I definitely, take- um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to have to go Michigan on this one. Ah. RJ, can I convince you to take 51 and a half points? I'm not touching 51 and a half points. That's an <laughs> awful team. That'll just cancel the program out there. What happened to June Jones? <laughs> Whatever the June Jones era, you know, led led Hawaii uh, Warriors or Rainbows, whatever they, whatever they, I don't even know. Are they even, are they the Rainbow? They're the Rainbow Warriors. Is that what they are? Rainbow Warriors. Yes, let's Rainbow get it right. Let's not, put some put some respect on Hawaii's name. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not touching it though. I'm not touching the 51 and a half. I think I'm on it. You give me 51 and a half. You make a great point, Kayla. They're terrible against Vandy, but uh, 51 and a half. 51 and a half. All right, we'll be back next weekend to break down everything that happened in week two and look ahead to some big games in week three as well the team's all together the gang's all here and we will be every weekend all weekend long we got you covered college in the first week of the nfl underway as well right here on the betql network this has been betqlu this is betqlu with rj chris and kayla here on the betql network presented by bet mgm Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus